It's the new year and time for the new you. You've thought about running for political office, but don't know where to start. Before you start any planning, you need to secure your name online with a yourname.vote web domain. This means your constituents will know they are learning about the real you when they surf the web. Secure your domain from GoDaddy.com today. Now on 960 The Patriot, you're listening to live primary coverage with Chuck Warren and Sam Stone. Brought to you by Breaking Battlegrounds. All right, well, Chuck, we, as we were in the break there, we got some bad news we got to talk about. I, I, and I, you know what? We're here to talk about election coverage, but you and I are sports guys. We're baseball guys. And Scully, the greatest baseball announcer in history, has passed away today. You know, I really, I am not a Dodger fan, as you might imagine, right? I'm Diamondbacks, Red Sox, right. definitely not the Dodgers. But I would listen to a Dodgers game to hear Vince Scully anytime. And his last game when he broadcast, I mean, I had tears in my eyes almost throughout that entire game. Well, I could listen to him read a phone book. Absolutely. And he would make a narrative out of it. So, anyway. Of course, he would probably know a third of the people in that phone book if you're talking the <laughs> L.A. phone book. Exactly. Um, I think we have on our line Peter Graves. Peter, are you there? Oh, we're not. Peter's not with us yet. Well, let's talk briefly here, Sam, about the election results, and let's talk about some races that um, we've not talked about. Let's first of all go. um, So uh, it has been declared by some national pundits that um, Finchman has won. Fincham. Fincham, I mean, has won the um, secretary of state race. Um, There's still votes counting, but he has a solid 40,000 plus lead. And second is um, Bo Lane. Um, Third, Shauna Bullock and... Coming up um, fourth is Michelle Eugenti Rita. Uh, that is a race we talked about with Matt here, and we talked about with Henry. Mark got thirty-five percent, and in a multi-candidate field with, frankly, four good candidates. Mm-hmm. That Trump endorsement means something. Once you get more than two qualified candidates, that thirty thirty-five percent means a heck of a lot. Yeah, no, it's a it's a baseline number at that point, right? Which right. gives you a huge advantage. Uh, so we see Fincham ahead there, Adrian Fontes holding on the Democrat side ahead of Reggie Bolding, uh, tightening up a little bit, uh, tightening up a little bit here in the um, race for attorney general. Abe Hamaday, 28.82 percent. Rodney Glassman right behind him, 24.32. I think that one is still up in the air. Uh, Kimberly Yee looks to be in. Uh, she is running with 57.53% of the vote to Jeff Winninger in second place at 25.88. Uh, Bob Letary at 16.6. That's another field, by the way, with three awfully qualified people um, in it. Tom Horn, uh, as kind of expected, I think, but at 42.38%, he is leading the race for the Republican nomination for superintendent of public instructions, Shiri Sapir, uh, second at 30 percent. Michelle Udall at 27.6. I guess I got to editorialize and say, quite frankly, I'm really glad it wasn't Michelle Udall. Well, I she's always been very anti-school choice. She's been a lot anti School reform, it seems like but she she's really pro teachers union. I mean, she has so really why followed she, so their agenda. So why she thought that she could win a Republican primary is quite stunning to me. 
Well, I think it's easy when you're an elected official and have been an elected official to fool yourself, right? And I think that's a case of of that. So in Utah, we had an old congressman, Wayne Owens, and he always had this comment, which was perfect. He said, a whisper in a politician's ear is like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Uh And I think Michelle had some people probably in her district say, you should run for this. And some teachers are going to say, well, do this. And as we know, most of these groups, when they say they're going to do something for you, rarely do it. Right. And tonight she is seeing I, I can tell you as someone on the Carrie Lake campaign, we had a lot of groups reach out and say they were going to get involved with IEs on Carrie's behalf or going after Karen Taylor Robeson, um, you know, that, that they were going to get in, their organization was going to get involved. And none of them ever did. None of well, them spent that money. I know. And, I know firsthand. Matt Salmon had two entities tell him they were going to spend five million each on an IE for him. None of that materialized. Yeah, when that doesn't happen, it changes the game. Well, Especially, I mean, when you have one candidate who has a lot of money. Yeah, when, you know, when you're expecting that to be part of your equation, it doesn't mean that he coordinated with them or could coordinate with them. But when people say they're going to do that, you sort of take in the calculation. Okay, I can raise this much for my campaign. They're going to do X, and you go from there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for instance, if you know that someone does a lot of TV ads and they're going to come into your race, you can refocus resources in other areas, and that's a big deal. Uh, continuing on with the results here, uh, Corporation Commission, where you're picking two of three, Kevin Thompson and Nick Myers appear to be in the lead there. Uh, Kim Owens running third. That's a pretty close race. Owens was probably the most conservative of those. Um, so that could be very interesting, obviously, with a lot of energy issues on the table in the near future here. Um, and on the uh, obviously Democrat side, they do, they literally have no competitive primaries. No, no, there's there's nothing there. Well, Democrats do this pretty much all across the country in many ways. I mean, you hear about the the outliers that happen, but they do clear the field. Um, right. And, you know, for again, for a party that always accuses Republicans <laughs> of being fascists and dictators, we sure have these open Wild West primaries and they just say to everybody else on their side, get in line. Yeah. You're going to do what we tell you to do. It's quite amazing. But they really are pawns to their small donor base. Yes. And and you're seeing that more and more and more about it on the legislative side. Let's look at the legislative side real quick here, Sam. Um, something tonight, which I heard I heard a lot of people in Mesa who were fans of Rusty Bauer saying, you know, I, I think he's going to lose, but I'm going to have faith. I mean, he's just getting crushed. He's I getting mean, annihilated, getting crushed, which I'm really surprised he's getting crushed. I am not. Aren't and you? If it was just about the election stuff, that would be one thing. And I don't think he would be being crushed on that. But I think the elections door opened him to scrutiny on other votes that he's taken. And the fact is, he's been one of a handful of people uh, in a Republican majority state Senate um, and state House who have blocked a lot of Republican legislation. He's also sponsored some things that are really out of line for the Republican Party. It was a sponsor of the transgender bathroom bill. Um, you know, he's. And, so- the, and that is a. Those are the type of votes that will turn out your primary activists. Yeah. At 100 percent. It looks like, oh boy, in State Senate District 3, John Kavanaugh is leading by the hair of his chinny chin chin, two points. He is. And Jan Dubaskis. Jan Dubaskis, you know, again, that's a battle. 
Uh, Kavanaugh came out early and endorsed Kerry Lake. He is a very conservative member of the legislature. He just didn't actively buy into the Trump election stuff. Uh, Jan Dubowskis has come at him from from the right. Uh, but there, it's unlike Rusty Powers. There's not a lot of votes that John Kavanaugh has not well, stood with the Republican Party on. Jan is a wonderful woman. She called, she, me for, she called me for a donation. And I said, well, what's the difference between you and Kavanaugh? And, and it was un, it was just unacceptable to say, okay, well, yeah, then we need to throw him out. I mean, she, there was nothing really liberal. It was more like, I'll be a bigger leader. Right. That was her pitch. And that's well, that's a pretty hard pitch. And she look, I think she could have. She could have been a very good leader for this thing. I think, um, you know, that race is still up in the air. There's obviously very few votes being being counted there so far. So um, I, I think that one's up. Ken Bennett, ahead of Steve Zipperman, also very, very interesting. Uh, on the line coming up, we have Chad Haywood. I'm going to kind of step back a little bit from the mic because this one ties into the race that I'm involved in. But, you know, I'll be listening in. If I got any questions, I, I, I might not be able to hold back. Chuck. Chad, how are you? Well, guys, I'm doing great, and uh, and I'm happy to talk to Sam anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so, how is that? so uh, for for our audience? Chad Haywood is the managing partner at Camelback Strategies. He's the former executive director of the Arizona Republican Party, and he is a general consultant and been very key with Karen Robson's campaign. And how's it? How are people feeling over there? I think we feel cautiously optimistic. Um, you know, all, all of our early survey work showed us winning with early voters. So I don't think this was a big surprise for us. Um, I, I probably am in agreement with both of you that more activist folks, folks that were more concerned with the election uh, being stolen through mail are probably election day voters or early ballot drop off voters. So we're definitely not spiking the football over here. We're we're, we're grateful for the lead, cautiously optimistic. Anything surprised you so far tonight, besides obviously you have a sizable lead, almost almost 10 points, but is there anything statewide that has surprised you today? Um, I, I would say, you know, the national media loves national stories, and they've tried to make every race a referendum really on Trump, uh, you know, sort of for the direction of the party. I was under the opinion that, that most local races, state races, focus on state issues. I'm probably wrong in that bet, looking at some of these legislative races where Trump weighed in. I mean, the, the Trump-endorsed candidates down at the local race, in particular, where folks don't know their legislators, was the gold standard. And, and you see it with all of these other statewide races. Outside of the governor's race and these multiple candidate races, I mean, it looks like that endorsement really catapulted a lot of these these folks and uh i don't know that i have a ton of surprises other than in those legislative races i think uh, some of those margins are pretty big the one thing i i'm trying to figure out too right now is if trump endorsed candidates or trump uh trump uh candidates that i would view as more activist and grassroots driven are winning by that big of margins on early voting it makes me question, too, maybe some of my priors I just mentioned on early voting versus Election Day. Uh, Chad, I, I want to bring up one of the other races you've got, uh, because you, you guys are working with Abe Hamaday, um, who, frankly, I think would be probably running third or fourth right now without that Trump endorsement. 
and frankly, without Trump coming to town right ahead, I thought he was the one who benefited the most from Trump coming into town uh, last week. I think that's a, a fair assessment. Um, you know, Abe comes out of the liberty movement. When I met Abe a decade ago, uh, this is someone who'd worked for Freedom Works, uh, was close to sort of Rand Paul, Ron Paul's operation, and and so he had great relationships with liberty-oriented grassroots folks. I don't know that that's a huge percentage of the overall statewide electorate, but it gave him a great grassroots base to launch from. But yeah, I mean, that race and every survey we saw, and I'd be interested to hear what you all saw too. I mean, all of the candidates were really in single digits. Folks, there's just so much spending, so much no races that I think people couldn't focus as much on all of these down ballot races. And that Trump endorsement and the stop seems to really have catapulted him. And his numbers look really good for us. I think we're we're feeling pretty good about where he's going to be after these election day votes come in. You know, for him and, and the others, I mean, I really think we, we have to go to break here in just a couple of seconds. But that was the field that I felt had the deepest candidate, candidate roster. I don't think there was a bad candidate in that field. And it's a big field. Yeah, for sure. Breaking Battlegrounds coming back in just a moment after this break. Now, back to Chuck Warren and Sam Stone with your live primary election coverage brought to you by Breaking Battlegrounds. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds uh, with your hosts, Sam Stone and Chuck Warren. Uh, Fascinating night so far here in Arizona across the country. Kansas really surprised me, Chuck. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, you and I have talked about this issue on abortion. It doesn't surprise me. But we have Chad Haywood still with us. He is the managing partner at Camelback Strategies. Um, Chad, what's going on down at Pima regarding they ran out of ballots? Do you know? Pinal County, the, the run out of ballots, the first thing I had heard, you know, is that they were directing uh, folks to vote in the same way that um, people with special needs do. They have some sort of screen, and they were trying to direct people to those. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how many have actually been left out from getting a ballot or not. I don't know if there's a legal remedy to extend the time to vote. Uh, I'm in the dark on that. Um, We talked to our lawyers about it this afternoon. I don't know if you all saw this come through during the show, but the RNC chair, uh, she called for the election director in Pinal County to resign. Oh, and, I, um, I think there's no question they should resign immediately, given what's happened in that county. I don't know if you guys have tracked that county in the past, but when I was executive director at the state party, we blew that county up in a press release because we could never get any of the data on the ballot returns during the early voting period. I mean, it was just a, a constant source of frustration for us at just how slow they were or incompetent or just ignored us. So we blew them up in a press release. Uh, Virginia, the recorder there, very nice lady. We didn't make any friends, but we finally started to get those early returns. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, look, I think if you ran out of ballots in Pinal and Pima, then there are people that need to pay the price for that because this should not have been unexpected. I mean, Helen. Not Purcell. at all. Well, not with not with all the attention we're putting on no. elections. I mean, no, I mean, no, and we're not breaking turnout records at all here, guys. Like, I mean, 
No. <laughs> that's I mean We're that's what's amazing. Like a this typical summer primary. I don't I don't understand how they were not prepared for By that. the way, the three of us really need to put our heads together and make sure we start having these primaries in May. Boy, amen. I'm in. I mean, I just, I, I, this is just ridiculous we're doing this in August. Well, I, I think it benefits incumbents so much to have essentially only 60 days between your primary and when the ballots go out again for the general election. That's so little time to get your message out if you're new to the scene. Look, people have been asking me, why in Arizona are these elections so divisive? And I'm like, look, elections are tough, right? They're about contrast. They're always knife fights. But when you have essentially 21, 22 months to fight each other in a primary and, and 60 days before the voting starts, it's hard to really feel like a united party. Chad, uh, I'm all for moving these things up. Chad, are, are you surprised by the turnout for this primary? Uh, I, I am, but with this caveat. So um, we don't know. We don't have numbers on those that drop ballots in the box. Arizona, very unique. A lot of states have absentee voting, but we've had a permanent early voter list for for over a decade. So when you register, you know, you check a box, you get a ballot every election. So if folks develop the skepticism of the U.S. Postal Service or that mail-in voting, and they became uncomfortable with that, many of them are still on that list. And so we don't know how many of those ballots are being dropped off at the polls and were dropped off today. And we won't even start to count those as a state until tomorrow. And so it, it just makes it really hard to, you know, if we're just looking at someone who showed up with an ID, got a ballot, ran it through, those numbers were lower than I expected. But we might more than make up for that in people who had early ballots and dropped them in the box. And I'd be curious what your, your all's opinion is on that. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Sam. I, I mean, I think I, I think that's going to be a significant number. But the one thing I was not seeing today was a huge number of people turning up to the polls. Now, whether they did over the last couple of days, kind of a steady stream, um, you know, that's certainly possible. You know, Friday, Saturday. You were you were bemoaning that tonight. Before I, we came I was. On. Yeah. When we came on, I, I my first inclination from the day was for Carrie, who was really counting on day day of voting. Uh, for Carrie Lake, that there was not a huge surge of turnout today. Not a lot of people at the polls that I saw. Yeah, look in our in our uh, view, and this, you know, as a as a firm split candidates where Abe was Trump endorsed, uh, Karen Taylor Robson was not. We thought we would be up in these early's, and that Lake would have uh, a bigger showing, and that the the trend would trend younger. I haven't seen that for election day voters. I don't know what those ballots look like that are getting dropped off, if they look more like uh, Election Day voters, if they look like the early voters that just, you know, dropped them in late. Uh, That remains to be seen, but there was definitely a feeling on our end that Lake would have an advantage with Election Day voters, and it would need to be big to make the electorate younger, which is why we are cautiously optimistic. It's also why I would say all of these other Trump-endorsed candidates that have been campaigning together the last few days um, are likely to grow their margins. So if I'm Blake Masters or Abe Hamaday, I'm feeling pretty good. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. You should be. Chad, tell us, tell our audience this. Okay. You're part of those two campaigns without giving away any trade secrets. What are you going to be looking at the next 48 hours? 
if, as, as a person who's a general consultant and you're, you're having very nervous candidates at you and very nervous young staffers wondering if they have a job by Friday, what are you looking for as the votes come in right now? Well, one of the unique things that happened today that I think shocked us, and I would love to take credit and say it was an intentional strategy, <laughs> but, but it really wasn't, was the number of independents that randomly showed up today to request a GOP ballot. Henry Olson, so, Henry Olson from the Washington Post, who we had on earlier, um, said there was 27%. Is that what he said today? Yeah, 20, 23%. 23% of independents today. So the last the last number I saw was just Maricopa County's uh, – sort of they gave us an hourly tracking. And they were at 26% in Maricopa. I don't know what it averaged out, if it's 23 statewide. But that's still unusually high. I mean, you're looking at like 8 to 12% in a typical primary. Yeah, that's double what we normally see. And and for all of the chatter, I mean, you go back to other elections, like John McCain never had this type of independent in the primary turnout. It's, it's remarkable. Um, so it really is. And I, and I don't know if those are new independents that have left the party because they're disaffected. I don't know if they're moderates. I... We don't know who they are, <laughs> and and it's too late for us to sort of track those back, like we could with early voters, right? The people that showed up today, and, and we don't know who they are, so it'll be it'll be kind of a, an interesting thing for us to see as these results. Come Surpr- surprises are always fun. It will be a lot, lot of guessing work going on, and, and a lot of research <laughs> trying to figure out what was driving those voters. Uh, yeah, it, for it'll, sure. It'll be an interesting outcome. When do you expect the next dump? By the way. On the SOS site. Oh, I think Maricopa County's dump should be starting to happen here any minute. So, all right. Well, uh, we'll I may I may drop off. No, here. we're going to let you. Guys. We're going to let you get off and go back and do what you need to do to get, earn your paycheck. We appreciate you coming on tonight, Chad. Appreciate you both, Sam. I look forward to getting together in a few days when the dust settles. Thank you both. Appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks. Good luck. Likewise. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Breaking Battlegrounds coming back in just a moment with more. We're going to have Stephen Richer, Maricopa County Recorder, coming up. You deserve a home that's beautiful and stylish. At Overstock, you don't have to choose between low prices and quality. Find new, on-trend home goods that reflect your taste and don't compromise on value. You can be proud of your home and design a space where you feel like you, all under budget. Plus, you get free shipping on everything in the continental United States. Overstock is where quality furniture and decor costs less. Now, back to Chuck Warren and Sam Stone with your live primary election coverage, brought to you by Breaking Battlegrounds. And yes... Breaking Battlegrounds does have the answers tonight, at least the answers that are being provided to us largely by this man joining us right now, Stephen Richer, Maricopa County recorder, friend of the program. Thank you, Stephen, for joining us. Busy night for you. Yeah, oh God, am I supposed to have the answer? That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> you do, well, you're supposed to exactly have yeah. that. Well, at uh, least let's start with something I think you can answer is when can people expect the next drops, you know, tonight, tomorrow, when do they expect, you expect to have the rest of the data coming out? Yeah, let me lay out how we're going to be doing things. And what we released at 8 o'clock was the ballots that we had received by Sunday. So those are your early ballots that were either mailed back or dropped off. 
Now what we're going to be loading throughout the night, we've loaded some already, is the memory drives from the location-based tabulator. So if you're somebody who voted in person today, you fed your ballot right into a tabulator. So we're going to be bringing those back from our 210 voting locations. We've already loaded six. Probably in another under 30 minutes, we'll load some more, probably a more substantial load. And we're going to be doing that throughout the night as those secure memory drives come back. Very nice. So then that'll be the next up. What time, and then obviously you have people who have dropped them off in collection boxes and that sort of thing yesterday and today. When did those get counted? So that's the great unknown in terms of the quantity. So like I said, we loaded uh, roughly 600,000 ballots at 8 p.m. And then we know that approximately 108,000 people voted by feeding it into the tabulator. That's the memory drive uh, results that we'll be loading. And then what we don't know yet is how many people took their early envelope, their early ballot, and dropped it off on Election Day. Those are the ones that we'll have to bring back, and then we'll have to scan them. We'll have to signature verify them, and we'll be posting them tomorrow and the next day. I hope that you know within 48 hours we have a very, very, very high percentage of the votes of the total. Was the turnout today what you've seen? And you don't have the exact numbers yet, but is it what you expected? A little lighter, a little heavier? What your, what's your it, perception? It was significantly bigger than August 2020. Now, obviously, that was an unusual circumstance, um, but it was about what we predicted, maybe a tiny bit on the light side that we had prepared for. We didn't face any significant line challenges until the very end of the day in just a few locations, Anthem being one of them. Um, but so we, we felt like we were prepared in terms of the volume of people who are going to show up and vote in person today. So what percentage at the end of, I mean, this is purely guesstimate because you don't have yeah. it, but what, what percentage do you think were mail-in ballots versus voting today at the, at the end of the day? Oh, well, we expect about 850,000 total voters in Maricopa County. And I just said that 108,000 were people who voted in person on election day. Now, there were people who voted in person earlier to today, but that number's pretty low. So it's, it's going to remain a, a heavy early ballot state, a heavy mail ballot state. Um, maybe I don't think it will be nearly as high as November 2020 in the midst of the pandemic and because I think a few voting patterns are changing. But uh, by and large, people like convenience. <laughs> That's not news, I don't think. Um, what what is this I've seen today on on Twitter about pens? <laughs> what 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 is the pen controversy today? Yeah, I, I think this was a fun one to grab on because <laughs> someone even walked out with a bunch of county pens. She went she incur and another candidate was encouraging people to to steal county pens, and then the the county attorney Rachel Mitchell had to said you know. Hey, that that thou shalt not steal thing is still in effect here in Maricopa <laughs> County. Um, hey, so, hey, wait, wait, what is she doing getting involved? It's, this is a misdemeanor. Right? <laughs> catch and release, catch and release. I, I don't know. I think this is maybe a capital punishment type situation. <laughs> so, no, I, you know, like I said uh, before on, on your show and on Twitter, we gave people a, a, a pen that we wanted them to use just because it dried quickly and it read well with the tabulators, and, uh, you know, not everyone did. Still, everything worked. 
no election is perfect. Anyone who says that hasn't worked elections. We had issues that came up throughout the day. Fortunately, we have a pretty good system built in where we can send somebody out and, you know, correct a printer, uh, replace a tabulator, things of that nature. At the end of the day, people got to vote. They didn't have to wait too long, and we feel good about it. We, we have just about 30 seconds before we go back to break here, but, Stephen, i gotta, I got to ask, how happy are you not to be the Pima or Pinal County recorder tonight? Oh, gosh, you know, I got blamed for a lot of that stuff. You know, I, yeah, you know someone as prominent as Charlie Kirk starts telling me, starts listing off these things. And I was like, that looks a lot like Pinal County going on right now. <laughs> we, we recognize that, you know, the elections community rises and falls together. So, our, you know, I'm tired enough as it is. And I'm not going through one tenth of what they're going through right now. So and we're gonna we're was, gonna let you get back to that breaking battlegrounds coming back in just a moment. <laughs> now back to Chuck Warren and Sam Stone with your live primary election coverage, brought to you by Breaking Battlegrounds. Yep. Welcome back to the election night breakdown special by Breaking Battlegrounds. On the line with us next, Peter Graves, Managing Director at FPI Strategies. I can't tell if that's FP1. Maybe I'm getting this wrong, Peter, but thank you for joining us. Either way, uh, he provides consulting and media services. Uh, he has run political operations in 17 Western and Plain states in the last few cycles and is a longtime friend of Chuck Warren, and, a, you know, I haven't known him quite as long, but I consider him a friend also. Peter, thank you again for joining us. What do you see out there tonight? Longtime friend. It's FP1, so 50 plus one strategies is the uh, company. Okay. See, that um, is a much better name well, when now, you now know I make, now, now, <laughs> yeah. now it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Now it makes sense. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, this, I, inter- yeah. this interview's over yeah. now. Now we yeah, got it. Yeah, no, you can go. <laughs> we, we got it. The mystery is over. Peter, what are you seeing in Washington tonight? You know, so Washington State, it's an odd duck. Uh, so state, statewide, uh, Tiffany Smiley looks great. Like, she's going to – she's obviously the uh, the candidate's going to make it through the uh, the top two to uh, face uh, uh, Patty Murray. And, like – and she's, she's – you know, she's done a good job of framing it that way. Uh, in state, it's, it's weird, um, honestly. Um, a lot of the in-state incumbent – or not in-state incumbent, but like the in-state legislative leaders that the, uh, the the House Caucus and Senate Caucus like wanted to win are not winning. So we'll see how things go for the next couple of days. You know, Washington State is a top two state, but it's also an absentee ballot uh, uh, state where we're going to have another six days of votes come in before we have a good picture of who actually like makes it through. So it's it's weird. Um, so those things exist. Uh, yeah, boy, if the, they tried that other, here in Arizona, Peter, I think we would have multiple yeah. uh, elections officials not make it out of the building. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt about that. I, you know, like the the difference, honestly, is you know we've we've had absentee ballots here now for um, since two thousand, I think two thousand eight. Um, we're just used to it. Um, you know, like some of the some of the the, the more recent stuff. Um, I don't know the politics of the whole thing, but. For me, it seems to be just uh, it's it's not um, it's it, it's it's not building the party. To be honest, like you go out there and, and claim election fraud or stuff like that, like it doesn't it, that's not how you build a party. So, um, you know, those things like are just not helpful. But but here again, like I said, like um, 
the the race to watch here in Washington State is the eighth congressional district election. Um, I, I would have told you last night that it was a race between Jesse Jensen and Reagan Dunn. Today, it looks like it's a race between Reagan Dunn and Matt Larkin. So we'll see where things go for the next um, forty-eight to you know seventy-two hours on that race. But it's close. I mean, that's that's the best uh, race to watch outside of California and, and Oregon. So. Um, you know, we'll see where that that thing all takes us. Now, but the, the, the nice the nice the nice thing though is like West Coast. You know, uh, Tiffany Smiley. She's she's looking to easily like become a you know top two candidate. So, like you you want to say like how how do how do you actually like have a good upset upset victory in the West Coast? I think her against Patty Murray. Like that's the best case you can get. Somebody who's spent, only spent like you know a million dollars or two million dollars against somebody who spent like twelve million dollars. She seems to be like very much in the uh, the throes of somebody who can actually beat her. So that would be. I mean, obviously, that would be one of those big, turn, big turning points for control of the U.S. Senate if that were to happen, right? Right, and and, and you know what? Honestly, like you know, you go to D.C. and you talk to people. Like they're they're the the D.C. Republicans still think like we're going to take the Senate of the House. So you know, how do we take the Senate? The Senate isn't even that far off, but you know. We've got a lot of flawed candidates, you know, down there in Arizona, um, Blake Masters and those guys. Like, they're they're not like the typical Republican you would you would go and say this person's going to clear field and go elect. Look at look at Pennsylvania, same thing. Um, you, you start looking like how do you actually elect people that, that can that can become the the fifty first vote? And you know, in D.C., you start looking at like Tiffany Smiley. She's you know she's not a partisan. She's not somebody who's like elective office. She's just the next mom in tennis shoes. And, um, you know, people there are very excited about the possibility of what that can become, and we'll see where it, you know, where it goes. Um, yeah, other stuff, other stuff is awesome. I, I feel like Eric Schmidt, like he's going to go become a United States senator in, in Missouri. Well, I do, too. I do, too. Um, yeah, yeah. What do, you, what do you feel about um, the results of Michigan tonight in Kansas? You know, they had the initiative um, there on the constitutional right to an abortion. And soundly defeated. So Chuck, 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 I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see Kansas. So t- tell me what happened. Well, as you know, they had um, in Kansas yep. tonight. They had the um, yep. amendment to eliminate abortion rights from the state yep. constitution, and it got defeated sixty yep. to forty. I mean, wasn't okay. wasn't okay. close. And uh, Sam and I have talked about this. Um, you know. The pro-life movement, if they're serious about doing this, they've got to get better at politics. They, they just agree with they, you. They yep. just, you know, a lot of the ways, and this is going to offend a lot of our listeners, but they are a paper tiger. Well, they talk to voters the wrong way. Well, yeah, and I mean, they, and, but, know, they, but they also don't even have what they say they have on their list, their memberships. Mm-hmm. I think that's true, too. And, you know, you're not going to go, I mean, look, this is ground zero for a lot of Democrats and suburban women, and when you say you have this type of influence and you really don't, you really don't have the list, yeah. you really don't have the memberships, and you really don't have the donors, this is a tough uphill climb. You know, so, so flashback to uh, 20, see, 2014, um, I worked for the RNC, and we came in and we needed a bunch of uh, paid canvassers and, and – um, we brought in Chuck. We brought a new Chuck and um, uh, your your firm to come work in Kansas. And it was it was the first time that like 
the RNC had actually had to invest inside that state in probably 15 years or maybe in 20 years. And and I said this the entire time, you know, I, I said we, when we got like even evening canvassing reports back and stuff, I said, you know, um, I, I don't understand why a state that's a 65% Republican registration state is this close. The only thing that makes sense to me is like you've got a lot of people who just don't, uh, they don't, they're not like actually Republicans. They're just kind of like Republican, professional Republicans. Um, but he, I, but I, I said like even like even if you throw those people, you still like say how do you win statewide? You still have to take you know sixty percent, sixty five percent of Republican voters, and you know for for a for a number like that, and like like I said, like I, I haven't even seen it yet. I'll see it tomorrow. We're we're doing we're doing uh, Derek Schmidt for um, for governor. Um, so like you know I'll have a lot different thing to say tomorrow about like what where things are standing. But you know for like for an initiative like that, it's it's still a it's still a professional uh, primary state. Like people don't vote partisan lines. Like they still you know you have to give them like a good argument. And if if you if you can't present it, like their that state is going to go opposite of, of the conservative cause. So you know like being the, being the first state out of the, out of the gun that that's going that direction. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I'm not so surprised just because, you know, you go and see like how things kind of go. And, um, you know, my, my, my guess, my guess is like, there's not, they just have enough money there. So Peter, one of the things I I think you're kind of alluding to, and I I just want to drill down on this point a little bit is the national media really is pushing everything around the Trump endorsed versus not Trump endorsed narrative. But if Mm -hmm. you look underneath that surface, and that's a, that's a major factor, but if you look underneath that service, what you see is candidates matter, mm-hmm. right? I mean, isn't that part mm-hmm. of what we're seeing tonight? Is that good candidates win, regardless? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, you know, like the uh, you guys are there in Arizona. I mean, you know, Blake Masters won. I'm not sure he's the the best candidate, but he, you know, he ran the best race probably. Um, Given everything else out there, um, in other states, uh, you know, let's let's take you know Missouri. Uh, some somebody who like sits there and like can go and and do like four or five messages on TV against somebody who, like can't like is spending all our time on you know earning social media. Like that's not how you win any election. So yeah, campaigns still matter, mechanics still matter, all these things still matter. So yeah, absolutely. What do you give the odds the Republicans picking up that Senate seat in Washington come November? Mm, it's you know it's 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 very close to my heart. So I, you know I would say I think I I'd say in Patty Patty Murray in twenty uh, let's see twenty uh, ten when she ran against Dina Rossi, you know she had the full weight of uh, Senate majority behind her. Um, I still think it's there. Um, you know, the question for me is like, what does Roe become? You know, the the Dobbs uh, decision. If it's if it's not a thing, if it's still you know, ten plus percent uh, inflation, gas prices are crazy. I think it's you know fifty fifty. If it's if this whole thing becomes, oh, these things have subsided, and we're just talking about like electing somebody who's not Patty Murray. I think it's you know more like a sixty twenty five type thing. So. I, you know, I, I, I'd say, I'd say, 
I would say that Tiffany Smiley has a good chance, but I think she's, she needs a lot of things to happen for her. It's a, it's an uphill battle for sure. I you know I think the row thing plays more in states that are bluer. Obviously, even you know if it's you, you've got a state like Washington. I don't know offhand, but I assume has reasonably liberal laws surrounding abortion mm-hmm. in state, right? Right. right. So right, totally. You, you can elect a Republican U.S. senator. It makes no difference at all to abortion access. In Washington, yes. yes, but you know, you know, the the okay, let's let's put the the shoe the the foot in the other shoes. So, if if I'm running uh, Democrat outfits here in Washington State, I start running and I start saying, oh, uh, you know, Peter Graves is trying to overturn uh, all of these reasonable abortion measures, right? And and a state like Washington, where, um, you know, like the we're we're I haven't seen like an, a, a um, I haven't seen like a a poll number where it's you know the right to kill a, a baby is you know, happens at twenty weeks like or ten weeks or fifteen weeks or twenty five weeks like we we, like, we haven't seen that just because Washington State is is a state where after uh, fifteen weeks like um, you still have a right but like, it doesn't happen like because because you know people don't abort babies after a, the the point where they can like the heartbeat and like see an ultrasound so um you know if once once the state legislature comes back in they start saying oh you know we want to give every full opportunity like we like we saw in, in uh virginia like we'll see where things kind of move but like we haven't had that opportunity in the state for uh you know i don't know 45 months so you know call it 10 years right yeah um we're with peter so, we're with so, Pe- Peter, I'm gonna. We're running out of time here, but I want to go to you a real question here. Since um, Peter yeah. Graves is managing director at FP1 Strategies, is a national um, yeah. political consulting firm. Is there going to be a red wave in the House of Representatives? You think this cycle? I, I, I'd say yes. I mean, you know, folks in DC are are not saying, "Hey, you know, who's the who's the third, fourth, or fifth seat?" They're saying, "Who's the twenty fifth?" the 40th seat so i'd say yes um and i and i still say that like that wave does not stop at the house of representatives i still think it like helps itself for congress seats or for senate seats sorry um that's why like you know if you look at where where we're looking on the just on the senate side i think i think you've you've got four or five senate seats that um you know 538 like the the democrats nationally think are can still be Democrat seats that the Republicans will just win just because of how the cycle is going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we yeah. we have just about thirty yeah. seconds left before we have to go to yeah. break. But Peter, I really appreciate you having you being on here with us tonight. Uh, thank you for joining us. And yeah, I agree. I think I think we're going to take the House and the Senate. And Joe Biden is a great reason why we're going to take both. Breaking battlegrounds election night special coming back in just a moment. You deserve a home that's beautiful and stylish. At Overstock, you don't have to choose between low prices and quality. 
Find new on-trend home goods that reflect your taste and don't compromise on value. You can be proud of your home and design a space where you feel like you, all under budget. Plus, you get free shipping on everything in the continental United States. Overstock is where quality furniture and decor costs less.